They're both Ryans. Um, so this is the this is the debate right now. Two two debates. Honestly, can Broninger fill in for Swopey today? Would you guys people? like that? I'm yeah. sure Billy would love it. But number number two is what is more difficult: gaining a yard, making a shot in a basketball game, just a jump. Shot, I don't know. Let's say okay. 15 feet, or hitting a baseball. The most difficult is hitting the baseball. I think. Like, well, how, like, what kind of level of pitcher are we talking about? 95 mile an hour hitting a baseball. Just a major league. Yeah. Pitcher, average major league pitcher, harder, harder, at all of our sizes, right? In the current situation we're in, yeah, I would say the hardest thing. There he is. At, okay, for someone like Nick and I, you want to tell him reset the the. the Are we live? Oh, we're live. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> we're at that point of the season where we're just talking random. Yeah. No, and we're gonna get to some football in a second. So your question is, what's harder, making a jump shot in an NBA game, like fifteen foot jump shot, making a yard in an NFL game? Or hitting a baseball pitch from a major league average pitcher. So for a guy my size, Nick's size, normal humans that didn't play football, getting a yard in an NFL game would be harder for us. I think we might get lucky. Might, might not. Baseball. Um, for baseball's the easiest. No hardest. Yeah, yeah. Baseball, I think it's the hardest, but I think you might get lucky. I'm not getting a yard. Lucky. I can't fall into a yard in an NFL college football game. I don't believe. Are we? Yeah. That's yeah. I th- I like that one. I-, I think that it is probably baseball because no matter how much you prepare physically, it's still hand eye coordination and like tons of reps, and we're not going to do that. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, maybe but baseball us. sucks. Wait, a yard in football? You gotta have like a good offensive line, a lot of other things. Yeah, I mean, have to go you, right to get a yard. Yeah, but you, basically, if it's you versus Shamar Turner, you're not getting the yard. No. But that's not the scenario. You have an offensive line protected. But for which you. So theoretically? Line? Yeah. Well, theoretically. <laughs> There's a chance that you have a hold run through, and there are times when even you and I could get a yard. This offensive line has done really well on fourth and one. So if they're blocking for me, I'm getting that yard. <laughs> Why is <why, why>, <laughs> so, <laughs> they done? Aren't they like four for four on fourth and one? Something like that. I've lost count. Yeah, they've done good. I don't know. Maybe so. Anyway, um, so I, I joked with Stephen earlier. I feel like we're in the offseason, even though we're not. We've still got three games to go. Yeah. Where are you with this program heading into this Mississippi State game? Because um, they can still make something of the season. They can. Yeah, I mean, look. I, I've, so I, I think me, me and McGee both, or me, and we've both been there and in that locker room um, as players and – I feel for those guys. Yeah. That's the first thing that comes to my mind because I know that those kids have a bunch of heart. Uh, I know that they, they want to win. Um, I know that there's a lot of talent in there, and I know that they believe in each other. Um, so I feel for the locker room, yeah. uh, and it's always tough. And I can't, I mean, I can't even imagine in today's world that we live in with these phones and Twitter and, you know, just constant hate mail and, and just haters. It's – it's it's not fun, I'm yeah. sure. Um, and so um, I feel for those kids because uh, I know that they want to win. Um, but it's just not happening. And um, I think that we're a poorly coached team. And, um, you know, it's got to get better. Yeah, it's the, – the thing is they can still make – something not what everybody wants the the negativity world wanted 
at least nine wins, right? Theoretically, they can win out. I'm not saying they're going to beat LSU. I understand the doubt because all these games, are that one-possession games that A&M keeps losing. But if you go into an offseason at 8-4, and four, it sucks. But it's so different than 7-5. and five. It Did that one game make all the difference, in my opinion, in how you go into your offseason? Uh, yes and no. I mean, when... Three-game win streak. Yeah, but we're... I don't think that... I mean, I know how much money has been poured into this mm-hmm. football program and how much... You know, all the resources that these donors continue to give. And I think that, I mean, my expectations are a lot higher than what we're doing year in, year out. There's no reason why we shouldn't be competing for an SEC West championship year in, year out. Yep. Next question. Yeah. <clears throat> Steve, well, any thoughts? Yeah, completely agree with Ryan. And I think that's all their expectations as athletes. You know, they they know that even if they were to – to win out and had they beaten Ole Miss and, and beaten LSU, I think we said this last week, that they were going to be disappointed. So uh, the bar is just too high. They're, they're too good of football players, uh, and they know that. And I, I think that that's going to be the expectation for um, a long time around here. All right. Um, the fact that it was Ole Miss this past weekend, the history in the last few years with them beating A&M, the Jimbo Lane, uh, the way that game was, it started going one direction. They may get blown out, it felt like, for a moment. Then they take the lead in the fourth quarter, only to lose the lead. And then have the ball and have a chance. And then to have your field goal tipped. Like, just all that. Does it make it worse because it was Ole Miss? Yeah. It's Lane Kiffin. I mean, <laughs> it's like losing to your little brother. Can't stand that guy. Like, he's a good football coach. I, I got to respect him. Like, he wins football games, but I, it doesn't mean I have to like him. Yeah. And I get tired of his little antics. Like, just win football games. Um, he's always trying to act cute. And I, it drives me crazy losing to him, I'll be honest with you. But neither here nor there. The football team looked different in the second half. And I loved I loved that. You know, they ran the football. Offensive line controlled the line of scrimmage there. And I felt like if we weren't backed up against the clock with only one timeout at the end, we would have scored again and we would have run the football. But because we were in predictable passing situations and up against the clock, it didn't play into our favor there, right? Uh, but... I like what happened late in the game. Now, we've got to protect the football. Max yeah. knows that. He's got to be a bet. Even when he <clears throat> didn't get the actual interception carded, that can't happen. Yeah. I, there's just too many uh, careless mistakes he's making with the football. Um, and he th- that can't happen with a team like what we have right now. Man, I got a question. So that first drive out, out the uh, second half, we get down there on the five-yard line, we throw that interception. Well, so I saw Max freaking out. He was like freaking out about something. Did you see kind of his reaction after all that went down? He yeah. thought what, it was supposed was, to go. He thought what, Adias what, was supposed to do something else. From Jimbo's body language on the sidelines, I think he was telling Max, "You don't throw that ball." That's how okay. I took it. I thought it was the angle of the route. I think there was he was you know he threw it a little high at first when I was on the field. I thought that it was. Um, he thought he was uncovered. You know, that sometimes happens yeah. whenever you're – but being that he's in the slot, I think he definitely saw the defender there. I think that his expectation, he was going high on the route where Anias, and I think what Jimbo was saying is that that route goes to the post. You run that to the middle of the post. So I think the ball location, if you're going to throw it, has got to be to the post. So I, I don't know. I could be wrong, but mm-hmm. 
It also, man, I don't like that call on first down either. Yeah, do throw, you? throw that one, throw that one out of bounds, <laughs> or throw that one to the to the fade ball on the sideline to number nine, you or know? just run the football. <laughs> Fair, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, bottom line, you're right. We got to take care of the football. You turn the ball over, you're not going to win football games, and we've that's been our problem. I, th- I think that you know um, the turnover battle has just hurt us all year. Yeah, um, you, and you, you turn over the you, you can't turn the ball over. You really can't have both things happen: a receiver go off for two hundred yards and a running back go off for a hundred. Yeah, who yeah. is that guy? He's gonna be a first round pick off of this. He was a transfer that Anna was interested in. Trey Harris, yeah, unbelievable. Jeez, uh, has he done that every week? He's he's had a good season. He's absolutely, but not that. Jermaine Burton, really good season. He he owned a And M. The dude, that game. guy was going up on top of people and making plays. Like it wasn't just that dude average catches. He was putting on a clinic. And he's that, big. That, yeah, that one handed snag. That, that was one of my questions I had. Like, how does a guy like that get passed by all the major Power Five conferences? Somebody would have to say, you know, what do you sign two, three receivers every year on average in a in a recruiting class to go to Law Tech? I mean, just look at his frame. The kid's six three and he can run. You have to say someone says, "Hey, like let's let's take a chance on this kid." So I, it happens, man. These guys fall through the cracks. He's um, had several 100-yard games this year, but his best game against A and M, his next best game against LSU, 153 yards. Mercer 133, Auburn 102. The rest are below uh, 67, 26. Put, like putting yards up against good teams too matters, yep. and that's what scouts want to see. Yeah, I would not be surprised for that guy to go high. Yeah. yeah. Kind of reminds me of A.J. Brown. Yeah, beast. <laughs> so, Stephen, what did you like about Max? We, we talked about the turnovers. You can't have that. But he did find s- some rhythm in the second half. That's a tough SOB. Yeah. you got to respect yeah. him for that. He, like, he he stands in there, man. That I, I, He's competitive. You know that. The one thing about Max I would love to see is a little fire. I, I want – he has it in him. But I want it to be – I want him to force that upon his guys. Like, I want the team to be able to rally around a kid. You know, when you get off the mat and you've been hit for a million times, it's hard. But if you get up with an attitude and your teammates see that, uh, I think that they they rally. They'll rally behind you for that. And, um, you know, I, I, there's 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 got to be a fire in that huddle. And I, I think that that's one thing that from TV or from the stands, it's harder to capture at times. But when you're down there and you're watching them, like you got to have, you got to have a swope out there, like rallying, right? Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, yeah, it's, no, it's, I, and it's I hole seventeen. You're down two holes. Yeah, it's time to make an eagle. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, and I, I honestly, I mean, with the exception of Nice Smith, I, I see it. But other than that, but Nice is kind of quiet. But yeah, he, he, he does it with his play. He's he loud does it with his play. And exactly. Intensity. You see yeah. it in his face. Right. You but like, yeah, the raw, raw guy, let's go, like, strap it up. Like, I'll never forget Johnny coming in my face and, and you know, I was having a bad game against Ole Miss. And, you know, he said some words that I shouldn't say on air, but it's it like, let's go, baby. Like, let's go win this football game, you know? And so having that vocal leadership, um, even if you're a freshman or whatever it might be, Having that 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 raw raw guy, yeah, is crucial to have success. And people, it's contagious. Your defense hears it. Special teams hear it. Those guys go out and want to go go play harder. This is a dumb question, but do teams recruit that 
Right, like um, I, I, I don't think do you, we. we I don't do even know the, how you recruit that, though. You, like, I think you, you watch people, you, you, and you, when you're when you're getting your five and four, you know you want certain intangibles for your team to have, and somebody who's going to be able. If you think they're a five or four star, you need to find that five or four star guy, or maybe it's a three star like Anias that demonstrates that on the weekly basis. You got to have well, those guys. And I'll tell you how you recruit that. You go in and you talk to these high school coaches. Yeah, I, I think that that. And I don't necessarily know if we do a whole lot of that. And that, that is so important. I think that we get caught up in stars and film. Yep. And we forget what's most important, and that's character and that's leadership. Mm. And, and if we're not recruiting character and good leadership, and, and I'm not faulting these guys because I do think there's some really good quality guys in that locker room. But if we're not, if we don't have enough of that here, we're, we're just going to be a complacent football team. We're going to, you know. Uh, we got to have some I, – I wouldn't mind seeing two, three stars. We go get some really solid, you know, with was, a chip on their shoulder. What was Mike Evans? Three, right? Three star. And you? Uh, I was a three star. There you um, go. Say no more. I think three stars is a great it. number to be um, because, like, you feel like there's, there's like, wait. wait there's an three. ability there. Yeah. Right? You're not – you can't sacrifice the ability, but then there's a chip on the shoulder. Yeah, you got something to prove. Yeah. And you're hungry and you're, you're mad hungry. you're pissed and there's a yeah. fire underneath you. And so you come in here and, and it, it creates a sense of urgency that I feel like we don't have. I got one for you. I, I just wanted to confirm, but Torian York was a three-star. This dude's starting as a freshman, like yeah. and making go. big plays. Like you, There are those dudes out there. There are. They're there. Yeah, and I think this the- whole recruiting deal, like we get, what were you saying? No, go for it. I was going to say this recruiting deal, like it's become like a trophy award. Who can get the best recruiting class? You yeah. know, X amount of stars. And it's kind of a puppet show, if you ask me. I mean, I think it's kind of silly. At the end of the day, who, how much, who, the kind of guys are we recruiting in here? Do they have good character? Mm-hmm. Uh, are they going to be good quality leaders? Are they going to go to class? And, and then the rest is going to take care. Are they coachable? And so that, those are, Really important factors to building a championship football team. I, I would venture. So looking at the five Heisman contenders right now, Michael Penix, the leader, and Jordan Travis, Florida State quarterback, I, I would kind of guess that neither one of those guys were four or five-star players. Can you Google that? I can Google that for Patrick you. Patrick Mahomes? I would he? assume. <clears throat> Patrick Mahomes. Three-star. I would assume Jordan Baker Travis Mayfield. was. Maybe Lamar Jordan Jackson. Travis was. Lamar Jackson. Carson Beck, Three J.J. Star. McCarthy, Bo Nix, they were all big, big recruits, and they're playing well, but – but to your point, you can even get it at the quarterback position. Ryan Tannehill, two star out of Big Springs, Texas, unbelievable. Um, but the right kind of chip on their shoulder. Um, guys are hungry, competitive. Uh, I like Max Johnson. I do too. Three stars. Three stars. Right? Yeah, both yeah. of them. Uh, <clears throat> so the the kid, obviously, when the pocket is good, he can make some throws. We saw that against Saturday. Mm-hmm. When that pocket's clean. Um, some things I really liked seeing was early play calls where they got the ball out of his hands. Remember we talked about that? Yeah. You all yeah. notice like the stop routes we completed? Oh, How many great. weeks have we not thrown a stop we had, route? This is the first time I've seen it. Yeah. So. Through a slant route. My gosh. Screen passes. Like those types of things to get your drive going. Then what happens? It opens up now, your run. It opens up 100%. your run. What else happens? Take a shot. Now you can take a shot. And that D line, did y'all see the D line for yeah. Ole Miss in the second half? They were hands gassed. on their hips. Yeah. They were done. They didn't want any more uh, to do with that offense at you're that so point right. in the game. And right. you're talking about an offensive line that has been much maligned. I mean, we were running the football. When have we said that? You haven't. And it was Le'Veon at first, then he got hurt. 
Then it was Amari Daniels. You got to have extended drives. You can't have three and outs. That's why three and outs plague you because if not, if you, even if you're not scoring, you're wearing on that defense, right? It just punches in the ring, and those, they just start adding up. And you get in those late rounds, it, it takes one blow to the face, and then you're done, right? right. So, to me, getting the ball out of your hands is going to be super important with this this new guy. Quarterback runs, I'm, I imagine, are going to play a little bit larger part with with the Fresno kid if he does end up playing, um, but. If if I'm the coordinator this week, I'm saying to myself, how can I limit what we're asking him to do? How can I get the ball out of his hands as quickly as possible and into the hands of Anaya Smith and Evan Stewart and Noah Thomas and these running backs? Yeah, no, 100%. Defensively, in these losses, the defense has been a problem, like a real problem. Three of the four losses. That there's a built-in excuse. You had, you know, your starting cornerbacks weren't there. But at mm. the end of the day... It's what the defense does as a group. They didn't, and I'll, I'll give I'll give Jackson Dart this. I mean, he did get rid of the ball quickly. He threw some beautiful passes, but you got to get he threw some dimes. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he was he was out there making it look easy. And, and we didn't get you know they, we the unfortunate push. part that last drive where they went down and scored and took the lead. You have to remember they they extended that drive because of two huge costly pi penalties on balls where he, the quarterback got hit and they were just fluttering like they very well could have ended up oh with interceptions gosh. there was a couple of those where we didn't it just so happened it was a bad break right that one that but, but then you get the a pi air. on the ball and you're just saying to yourself my gosh like it's not meant to be that's what it feels like like yeah it was the curse like right there at the end like and I, so i think penalties killed us penalties really in the do fourth kill quarter the i mean end. down there when we were driving in the red zone um I think that it was like a rub play. Uh, you know which one I'm talking about? They called the uh, pass interference on the offense. Just such killed bad, the drill. Yeah, it's such a bad call. Uh, just a, it was a dang. It was the stick concept with the flat and the stick, and it's like that's not a pick. That was that was a terrible call in my opinion. But yeah, it's <sighs> self inflicting wounds. Hey, th- that offense that we saw in the second half. Let's just say Max is good to go, and if you can encapsulate that for these last three games. Do you win these last three games? I know LSU is a big question mark with their offense, but you definitely I, have a higher chance of winning these. I think yeah, you do. I mean, I think we can. Um, I you think can run that, football like that. You're going to beat teams. Yeah, and I like how we. I think that our offense. We saw a little bit of different offense, quicker passes. Uh, you know, ran the ball effectively. Um, I, I think that we can we can win out. Do y'all think sure. Max Johnson plays? I, I see. That's I, my thing. I, I, don't I don't think don't. he's playing. I mean, I've had rib injuries and. Those things don't heal overnight. They're really painful, and um, I don't think he's going to play. Romo, dude, I, I remember guys like dude, people don't realize how serious like broken ribs are. Like, the, and oh, it's, I think they call it classified broken, but it's like a little tear in like dude. the cartilage and stuff. Oh, you're, and then if you puncture uh, a lung, it's yeah, like life threatening. Yeah, it's bad. It gets and it gets dicey quick, and it's like everything you do just hurts. Right, cough, right? sneeze, laugh. Play call. I mean, it, there's a lot that goes into a rib injury. And so, you, that can, so you have like the the well being of the kid, right? As a fan, like obviously we need Max out there to win, but like there's the future of his career and everything. He, he, I've I still believe like, and I saw your little question about the list of the quarterbacks. Like, I think that's BS. Like, I there there if you're t- talking about NFL quarterbacks, like I, I get it. Like Max has his faults, but I really do believe he'll be an NFL quarterback. Um, I think he'll be a long term backup quarterback. Um, He's, that kind of like fits what he is. But Jalen Milrow, Brady Cook, Spencer Rattler, Graham Mertz, Joe Milton, Devin Leary, KJ Jefferson in front of Max. Are you kidding me? 
Like, I get it. Jalen Milrow is playing really good football. But we're talking about an NFL draft. You're telling me that an NFL team is going to take Jalen Milrow in front of Max Johnson based on what NFL quarterbacks are asked to do right now? I this, find that hard to believe. That's Saturday down south list. Uh, Jane Daniels, one. Carson Beck, two. Jackson Dart, three. Jalen Milrow, four. Brady Cook, Spencer Rattler, Graham Mertz, Joe Milton, Devin Leary, and K.J. Jefferson. Yeah, that's uh, Saturday down south list. Uh, before we go. Do you agree with that? You had him in yeah, the first round no, earlier. I, no, like, I, Max, KJ Max, Jefferson. I think Max is, KJ Jefferson. KJ Jefferson. Than, I don't know who's, whose list is this. Saturday down south. Okay, well. Jaden Daniels is a baller. Carson Beck, dude's gotten better. He, he can make some better. throws. I get it. Jackson Dart, dude's playing good right now. Um, but I think he's Max. He's kind of like, ah, to me. I think Max can, can outdo most of those guys on that list, if that's what you're asking. Yeah, absolutely. In the NFL system, because it's it's not just ability, but you got to be able to make throws in the NFL. Like if you're going to make an NFL roster, you better make some throws. Right. Yeah. Like you can't just run around. Like that's not how the NFL works. So before we go, if it is Henderson at quarterback, and if Will Rogers is playing, is this a game that A and M should still win? Yeah. We haven't seen Henderson, so it's very hard to say, right? Oh, gosh, I don't know. Um, we should, I mean, we should single-handedly beat this football team because I think Mississippi State is, they've got bigger issues than we do right now. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. You just never know in the SEC. Well, I've hedged you don't my know bets. Who, I've hedged my bets because if you think Mississippi we, State comes in here and wins, Nick Savage has told us that we can show up next Thursday and kick him in the you know what. So he's already accepted that. He said there's no way that we lose to Mississippi <laughs> State. He thinks they're that bad. Now, yeah, they are pretty bad. They are bad. But, but in the SEC, and you don't get a good start, momentum's a funny thing in sports. You lay an egg early. You got a quarterback trying to figure it out. Heck, he's probably just trying to figure out the cadence. The offensive line's probably trying to figure out how he calls his cadence. Yeah. And you're backed up, pre-snap penalty. I mean, I'm telling you, the recipe is there for an upset. Yep. Gentlemen, thank you very much for coming in. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate yeah. you. Dig them. When we come back here on TechSags Radio, we're going to talk a little men swimming and diving. Jay, Jay Holmes in studio. That and more next on TechSags Radio. TechSags Radio here presented by David Gardner's Jewelers. Rollo Insurance Studio. Got Jay Holmes, men and sw swimming and diving coach here with us. I was there on Friday. All right. I had, I had a blast. So I was, unfortunately, I was in a sea of longhorns. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so that, that happens sometimes. Um, well, just because uh, my brother in law's sister in law swims for Texas. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So mm. we were planning on coming and, and watching, and of course, my family decked out in A&M gear, sitting in the middle of, a, of an orange section. It was a good time, and uh, you all did great. You all did. It was phenomenal. We beat Texas. It was yeah. a, a great weekend. Who it was? It Wake Forest. The other no Georgia, Georgia Tech. Tech. Georgia, Georgia Tech. Tech. Yeah, yeah. And Georgia Tech. I mean, they're you know currently ranked inside the top twenty-five too. So we we knew that we, it was going to be a great meet. We had opportunities. Uh, uh, yeah, but to go in and the guys just showed up, and that's what you know. Our coaches, particularly Jason Collin, I've been preaching all week. Believe that you can do it. Believe, and that that carried us a lot. How much of yeah? How much is belief when it comes to swimming? Because they hit times of practice. That's they right. know what they can do, but then there's everything else going on next to them, right? Yeah, and it, it is. It's really hard to do. I'm, upset probably in any sport, but for us, we needed a group of guys to show up. You can't just have one or two get hot. You needed the whole group to get kind of hot. And, it, you know, it wasn't pretty. Uh, there was a couple of races that wasn't pretty. I mean, Texas for sure wasn't pretty in places either. Mm -hmm. uh, but when push came to shove, I mean, just to getting the wind done, uh, 
Yeah, that's always special when you're able to beat, especially a program like that. Uh, uh, just a real special day. So it's the first time you, know, you all have beat Texas in a dual meet since 2018, 2019, just the third time in program history. How do you bottle that up, bottle that up for the what's ahead? Yeah, it's, it is a process. Just I mean, I know coaches talk about process all the time, but it really is true. You know, doing one thing at a time, you know, going with the end, end pitcher and, you know, the big picture as far as what's going to happen at the end. But it's, it's, a, it's a process. And that, uh, you know, going through the week and, and just making sure, you know, our guys understood how important it was. Because most of them, you know, they, they might not have grown up in Texas. Or at least, you know, some of them have. But to get them together and to realize, you know, there's a lot of people that pay attention to this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not only our alums, but just people. I mean, anytime A&M goes against Texas, I think on both sides of the of that aisle, it's uh, it gets it's it's important and it's meaningful. Did something did something show up in training that said I think we're we're, we're trending in this direction? Uh, just no, not anything in particular, other than the fact that you know we're constantly you know grilling our guys on on details. I mean, our guys probably get tired of hearing us talk about it because we that's what we're continually grilling into them because there is a whole lot of things that have to happen right mm-hmm. uh, and especially when you're you know halfway through a race or three quarters of the way through a race and your body's screaming at you <laughs> uh, and you just got to be able to have the you know the focus and and, and 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 the desire to make sure that you're doing everything right yeah and that happens on the boards too i'll be diving diving is a little bit different of a deal but even you know going down to the last dive i mean our divers needed to hit some things I, I do want to let people know six and zero. I should have said that off the top. Yeah. Wins against nationally ranked teams, Tennessee and Texas. So this, you're you're doing it against quality programs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Historic. Yeah, and that's been really for us. And like I said, we haven't. We're, of course, we're going into every meet trying to figure out some way to win this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for us to be able to be six and zero right now, when I mean, the year started, if someone told me you'd be six and zero going into your fall invite, uh, I'd have been happy, happy, happy. And so. Uh, you know, as I said, it wasn't pretty in a lot of places because we have a lot of things that we still need to work on. Uh, workouts are still, um, you know, it's, it's a continual uh, battle every day from a lot of point. Yeah. From the standpoint of we have expectations as a staff and our team, you know, building those expectations into our team uh, when it isn't easy. Yeah, uh, that's just sport. And that's sports. I mean, talk to me about Baylor. Baylor is uh, unique. Yeah, and the fact that he. Is uh, he's he's not the biggest guy in the world. I mean, he's you know he's five ten, five eleven, but he swims so big. He just uh, he's he's pretty awesome. But you know, being the teammate that he is, uh, you know, he's not a kid that's entitled about anything. He knows he's got to work for everything. He's and he's fine with that. And so he's pretty special, just as a person. Uh, but plus, when you put him in the water, that guy just hates to lose. Can you explain? This is such a dumb, like novice question. So bear with me here. <laughs> but the, I know there's a, there's there's a reason behind it. It must be faster. But why swimmers go almost the full length, uh, or half the length, I should say, mm-hmm. three right. quarters, without actually taking the first uh, stroke? As yep. opposed, like when I when I do my swimming, which is ridiculous. Like it's like <laughs> push off the wall, and I'm already working. Is it is it to conserve energy? Is it faster actually underwater? It water? actually is faster underwater. Wow. Okay. It is, and it's as the surface, you know, surface tension on the on the tension of the water on the on the top versus going underwater. You know, you're streamlined. You're much more streamlined, 
and there's all those things that yeah but underwater that's and we spend a lot of time underwater okay and that's one of the things that uh is it's you know, some people even call it the fifth stroke. You know, there's back breast flying free, but the fifth stroke is un- is underwaters, and the underwaters. Uh, do like people it, go the length ever? It's actually against the rules to okay. do that, I and mean, you have to surface by the 15 meter mark. Because many years ago, this of course shows my age, but usually there was no limit on that uh, when people started doing it, and they just for the safety issue. Because uh, I have seen people pass out before, and so from a safety issue, they just said, "No, you have to come up at the 15 meters." Uh, so I'm watching. I'm like, they look faster, but I'm not sure. No, they are. Yeah, they are. And that's one of the things that makes Baylor pretty unique. Is that he's uh, and he's in workouts. He, he beats everybody in our practice. He goes further than everybody. He's underwater longer. Uh, and it's interesting when we, you know, our our guys are just like you know, in the middle of practice, you know, how is he doing yeah. that? Yeah. And it's just because he's just decided he's going to do it. Talk to me about the uh, invitational next week. Yeah, where we have uh, some teams coming in. This is a men's and a women's invite. Um, this is a, kind of the what we really focus on for the fall. It really doesn't matter the teams. We're uh, although you know obviously we want great teams coming in. We have a you know LSU comes because they always come, uh, which and we're thankful for that. Utah's coming. Air Force men on the women's side. I mean San Diego State, uh, Washington State, I believe. I mean there's there's several other women's teams that are coming in. So. It, it is the focus of our fall, mm-hmm. and uh, that's where we're hoping to get some times done that actually we can qualify for NCAA's. Because for us, I mean, the conference meet is really important. We've put a lot of stock into it because uh, it's it's meaningful. Uh, but we're, ultimately, we're trying to get our people in the NCAA's, and you have to have the times, and you you compare the times against everybody in the country. So the times that we do this weekend, we're hoping that we can get our relays qualified. That's one of the things that we have on our board we just get our relays qualified as soon as we can because that takes so much pressure off of that when we can spend our time working on other things yeah so but the invite's important to us and it should be an interesting meet well hopefully everybody can go and check it out uh thank you so much for coming in happy to do it thank you david thank you all right Uh, we'll we'll come back with aaron torres with around college football right now we're talking heritage films that's chancellor mccain's company Uh, they do documentary films about families family businesses family ranches your dad i did one with my father a couple years back and it was phenomenal he's 93 years old so uh, we, we definitely wanted to get it in the books, and he, he told his whole story, and then my kids got to see it. And uh, the, the hope and the desire is for their kids eventually and their kids later to see it. That's what you can do with Heritage Films. You can honor family. You can honor what your last name means and how your family was built. That's one direction of it. You can do the family business, the family ranch as well. He also, uh, Chance also has the Yearflix, which is more of like for the younger kids out there. It's a benchmark video, 20 minutes. Right? So the Heritage Film is a documentary about two hours. The year flex is about 20 minutes, and it's just more of a question and answer with the youngsters, right? Sixth grade to going into seventh grade, likes, desires, movies they're into, what they want to be when they grow up. Then you can follow it up their freshman year of high school, follow it up when they get to college, right? And maybe every year of college, these 20-minute videos are benchmark videos, and they're awesome. The website is yourheritagefilm.com, yourheritagefilm.com, 713-893-8341, 713-893-8341. All right, we're back. Tech Radio presented by David Gardner's Jewelers, Rollo Insurance Studio. If you want to be a part of the conversation today, you can call us up, 979-693-1150. It is now time for Around College Football presented by Millican Reserve, a college station community featuring homes, trails, farms, and wide open spaces with a mission to build a healthy community around nature. Take part in the Millican Reserve community with a conservancy membership. Learn more at millicanreserve.com. We go to the Brian Foley Law Hotline. We are joined by Aaron Torres of Aaron Torres Online. AT, good morning, buddy. 
David, good morning. How are you? I'm well. Uh, it's funny. I when, when I was picking up the uh, Brian Foley hotline, I remember to myself, poor AT got unfiltered Nuno last week. We had a chit chat, and I was just I was I was a little heated. I think was it was it this week or last week? Was it before or after the Ole Miss game? I was. It was. It was after the Ole Miss game for sure. Yeah. It, not directly yeah, was, after. Yeah. I, I was not happy. You were not. You speak for a lot of Aggies. Um, yeah. It. It was. You know. It was disappointing. Um, and but but listen. You know. And I. I, I don't want to be negative because the guys played hard. They obviously rallied all that. Um, so I don't want to be all negative. I know there's 85 guys in that locker room that that are giving everything that they have. Um, but that game ultimately came down to what you and I talked about last week. You and I, you know, I think you, you framed it in a very positive light of, you know, what happens if, and I said, well, what happens if is, is a great hypothetical. I said, but I need to see it. I mean, the record speaks for itself at this point. The resume speaks for itself at this point. Zero wins in year six under Jimbo Fisher against ranked teams on the road. Uh, whatever it is, not, you know, eight straight, nine straight road losses uh, going into the weekend. Um, and I think the disappointing thing is, you know, one, it, it was obviously a, another game that was there for the taking. But two, it comes down to the little things. We talk about it all the time. Every single time there's a win, there's a loss. And so for Randy Bond to be lining up for that field goal, have the field goal tip, you know, you end up losing. Obviously, listen, Max Johnson probably played his best game, you know, probably the season, but that red zone, you know, interception was a killer. So. It's the little things, and I think the other thing, lastly, and I know I'm going a little bit long here, and I, I, I know everyone listening is frustrated, so I'm not breaking any big news here, but you finally get the offense right. You're finally able to move the ball, and you just can't get the stops on defense. So I, I understand anybody that's frustrated. Uh, you know, Obviously, it's my job to watch the games, but I'm frustrated watching because they're so close to breaking through in these big games. I think you can argue that East was going to won the Bama game, the Tennessee game, and now the Ole Miss game, but you're 0 for 3, and obviously I understand anybody who's frustrated about the whole situation. Any interest or intrigue or any storylines that pique your interest when it comes to this Mississippi State game? I mean, the, the only thing that interests me is, <laughs> is there a scenario in which Texas A&M does not win? I know they're about an 18-point favorite uh, in, in Vegas. Um I mean, listen, I, it, you don't need the analysis. You're at home, night game, Mississippi State, I don't know if it's a backup, a third string, or whatever. They're not very good to begin with. I, I, I have been largely underwhelmed by the Zach Garnett era. I mean, you just got to win. And it goes. It almost goes back to what I said before the South Carolina game. I remember uh, talking to Nick the week that you were out, David, uh, in, in the lead-up to South Carolina. So it was really two weeks before the South Carolina game. But I said... You know, you're at home. You haven't won a lot of big ones. Go out there and put on a show for your fans. You know, put up 35, 38, 41, 42 points and, and, and give them a show. That certainly didn't happen against South Carolina. Maybe it'll happen this week against Mississippi State. But I do think there's intrigue because either one, you're going to beat them the way that you should beat them and you get a, a tiny bit of reprieve and positivity in what's been kind of a negative probably six weeks or it's going to be too close for comfort and um, you're going to be frustrated again. So I, I do think there is injury. Um, it's just which side it's on and then hopefully it's on the positive side of the egg. 
Talking to A.T. Aaron Torres here on Texags Radio, presented by David Gardner's Jewelers. Alabama, Kentucky. Uh, I've said this before, and I, I, there's something about Kentucky that reminds me of A&M, and I think it's because their defense is strong and whatnot, and they're also the last couple years underperformed. What kind of chance do you give Kentucky this weekend taking on a Bama team that has figured it out? Well, I'll give you the comparison that I would make between the two teams. Um, and it's it's different for A&M because A&M is playing with what is ultimately a backup quarterback in Max Johnson. I think A&M on an offensive side, for the most part, has coached pretty scared this year. Uh, now, last week against Ole Miss, maybe they didn't really have a choice. But I, I, I think they've, A&M has very much relied on the defense and trusted them and you know kind of played a, a field position ball control game. And that's essentially what Kentucky does. And that's why when Kentucky plays an inferior opponent, they can look so good. But then when they play teams that have equal or greater talent, they don't look good. It's not because they're not good enough. It's because, you know, Mark Stoops still – like I've said this, and Kentucky fans largely seem to agree with me, is, you know, Mark Stoops still coaches that team like he did in year one when they were by far the least talented team in the SEC. They're no longer the least talented team in the SEC. but it's Still a, I don't trust my quarterback. I'm going to try to limit possessions. We're going to try to run the ball. I'm a defensive-minded coach. And so I just bring it up because it's why they've struggled in big games with against good teams. And frankly, it's why I think they're going to struggle with Alabama. I mean, listen, you know, Alabama, you know, the, the conversations have been had, but that defense is so good. And specifically, the defense is so good in the second half. I mean, I keep throwing out this stat because I'm amazed by it. Second half of the four biggest SEC games this year, which would be A&M, uh, Tennessee, LSU, and Ole Miss, a combined 13 points in, in, in eight quarters of those four games. Um, and so when I look at a, tennis, uh, a Kentucky team that's limited, a Kentucky team that doesn't even bother to try to strike fear in you, uh, I just find it hard to believe that they're going to be able to win that game. And frankly, a lot of it is, again, because of what we just talked about, just kind of how they coach in these big games. Style of play, things like that. Talking to Aaron Torres here on Texas Radio. All right, let's let's kind of move into the uh, the game that I think has got most people's attention. Ole Miss, Georgia. Georgia has this. I don't want to say ability, but this is what they do. They have a couple games that are close, and people are like, oh, I don't know. Here comes this, and then they turn it on, right? Like, sure. so Missouri is a really good team. I understand why that game was was somewhat close. What about this weekend with Ole Miss, who somehow could play their way into a playoff? Somehow, things got to go perfect, but. They're in that conversation today. You know, I'll tell you, you talk about playing themselves into a playoff. I, I don't, you know, the SEC championship game to me is more, more unlikely than the playoff, um, which, by the way, there's crazy hypothetical. Maybe we'll discuss that. Maybe we won't. Um, what I would say about Georgia, the analogy I made on my show earlier this week, I don't think that they kind of play down to competition. I do agree with you that the narratives swing one way or another. When they have a good half, it's, oh, my God, Geek George is back. And then when they have a bad half, it's like, oh, my God, they're not the same team. Um, the way that I kind of see them, I kind of see them as, as a boxer that uses the first round or two to kind of peel out the opponent and then kind of goes for, for the kill shot in the, the sixth, seventh, eighth round for a boxer, obviously, the second half of football. And, and, and so – I think that's fair. I don't think that they're sleepwalking or anything like that. But I do think that's a dangerous game against Ole Miss because, as everybody knows, and certainly we saw last weekend, Ole Miss can score in a hurry. They can score quickly. You know, Lane Kiffin's going to have some stuff teamed up. And I also, like, I don't know 
you know, the other games for Georgia where it was close, the other teams just didn't have to do to keep it competitive for four quarters. You know, even Missouri last week, Luther Burden gets hurt in the second half and kind of sit there and say, well, you know, who are their guys? I think Ole Miss has the guys to keep it competitive for four quarters. I, I, I'll be honest, I'm, I'll cut to the chase. I don't know that I can sit here and predict that on the road at night they go get that win, but I don't think it's inconceivable because of a lot of what you said, David, is that Georgia at times lets opponents stay in games, and I think you mess around and do that with Ole Miss. You know, they can put up 14 points on you in a hurry, and all of a sudden uh, a tie game could become a two-possession game just like that. Talking to Aaron Torres here on Texas Radio. What about Tennessee, Missouri? Uh, I, I find Missouri to be the better team. Um, Tennessee's got the brand, even though they're not the same team that they were last year. Well, what, what do you think about this one? Well, my only concern with Missouri, I agree. I think, you know, Drinkwitz, uh, you know, we've all kind of poked fun at him. He's kind of a goofy guy. I think he's done a very good job with this group. My only concern with them is kind of the body blow stuff. I mean, you, you, you know, you go to war for four quarters with Georgia, even though you're back at home, like I said, you know, it doesn't really sound like Luther Burden is going to play. Um, you know, uh, uh, Theo Wee's their second leading receiver. Cody Schrader, the best running back, are pretty banged up. That's the part that I worry about, and especially against the Tennessee team. And it pains me to say this, David, but they basically used UConn last week as an exhibition game. I mean, Josh Heupel dropped after the game. The You know, yeah, we had four or five guys that could have gone if they had to today, but we wanted to get them rested for the home stretch. So that one hurt my soul a little bit. But basically, Tennessee is essentially coming off of a bye, uh, while Missouri's coming off of a game at Georgia. So for that reason, I do favor Tennessee. I just think they're a little bit fresher. But I think, to your point, I think Missouri's a good football team that probably hasn't gotten the credit that they deserve. All right, uh, this Michigan fiasco, what's going to come out of it? Um, yesterday, they, they responded and were like, you better be careful what you're looking into NCAA and Big Ten because uh, the sign-stealing is a much bigger deal than you're letting on. Uh, what, what do you think is going to come out of it? You know, it's such a fascinating deal. It feels like it changes by the day. We've all kind of followed it. Um, you know, we'll see what happens from the Big Ten perspective. But I, I think Michigan has done a good job kind of on the counterattack where, listen, I, I get if you're one of those other 13 Big Ten schools, the frustration that you have with the success that they've had. Um, and I get where you're a new commissioner. You're kind of from outside the world of college sports. You don't know a ton about what's going on. The emotion of the moment can override the whole situation. But I think the last probably, you know, 72 hours, I think Michigan's done a good job of kind of framing it like, listen, did we maybe take it a step further than everybody else? Yes. But we're now dealing with gray area of what's worse relative to what everybody else was doing. And I also think, you know, listen, I, I, I am, you know, I'll just say really quick, I know we're short on time. Do I truly believe in my heart of hearts? that nobody knew in the whole building besides Connor Stallions. I can't sit here and say that I truly believe that. I do think Michigan has done a good job of painting a scenario in which that's the case. Clearly, you know, delicately, I don't think he's the most stable person for some of the stuff that we've reported, you know, a little bit of a different kind of guy. So, uh, you know, <laughs> every hour it feels like there's a different twist. I lean more towards the Big Ten kind of backing off or, or at the very least, you know, trying to suspend in Michigan immediately filing an injunction. I, long story short, I think Harbaugh's on the sidelines this week. Aaron, great stuff as always, my friend. Thank you so much. Thank you, David. Have a great weekend. Gagum, we'll talk soon. Talk, take care, bro. Thank you very much. All right, that's Aaron Torres on the uh, 
Brian Foley Law Hotline. When we come back on Tech Sags Radio, we'll try to get to some text messages here in the uh, short segment that will be. Then it will be the fan show. All right, uh, next week is Pass It Back Day. You uh, want to give back to this great community, this great, awesome uh, network that uh, the Association of Former Students has uh, been building. It's a 24-hour chance to go do that. We'll be talking about that uh, next week on the show on the 14th, so make sure you're all over that. Right now, though, just think about some sponsorship and vendor opportunities with the Association of former students. If your business or organization is looking to engage with other Aggies, then check out the Association of Former Students. They bring together Aggies of all ages during our, uh, these awesome events like Ring Day, All Aggie Hullabaloo, The Gathering. They all welcome tens of thousands of guests out there. So you certainly want to put your, your brand in front of them. All events offer a wide variety of digital and in-person options to promote your brand, including title sponsor naming, on-site presence and activation, recognition, social media posts, and much, much more. There's also advertising opportunities in the Texas Aggie Magazine and the Aggie News newsletter, which are seen by over 230,000 people. So if your business business is ready to engage with Aggies, choose a partner with the organization that's been supporting the Aggie Network for over 140 years. For more information on options throughout the association, please email sponsorships at aggienetwork.com. It's the Association of Former Students. Jane does say... Texas Radio, presented by David Gardner's Jewelers. Rollo Insurance Studio. Let's go to the Angry Elephant News and Social Center. Leanna Davidson, tell me something good. There's some volleyball news. So volleyball plays Missouri this Friday night at 6 p.m. And they're coming off not only a win, but a Hi. sweep. Is that your computer Sorry, right here? Yes, a sweep against Alabama last week. And unfortunately, they did record a recent loss against Auburn in a close five-set series. But hopefully that will somewhat fuel the fire going into the smash against Missouri. Logan Lednicki has continued to play amazing and once again led the team in kills, recording 16 total. Closely followed by... we got to drop it right there. When we come back, thank you, Leanna. We'll have the fan shows next on TechSaps. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.